Somebody recently asked me the following Shiloh, following question. They have a flight on Matzei Shabbos, immediately after Shabbos. And in fact, it was so, the timing was so tight that they had to leave right after Shabbos ends uh, without being able to attend Mariv and Shul. And they came up to me on Shabbos day after davening and said, well, they have their talus here. They need to take their talus with them when they travel. Um, are they allowed to take the talus home, knowing full well that the only reason for that is to be able to use the talus, meaning to pack up the talus on Matzah Shabbos? Is this a problem of preparing for after Shabbos? Well, that was a great and sensitive question. A person who recognized the special nature of Shabbos and the prohibition against preparing for after Shabbos. So we'll get back to that question. Um, and that is the topic for this week. It is the topic of Hachana, preparing for after Shabbos. This is the sixth and final installment edition of the Shabbos Learning Project podcast for this year, 5783 Tafshin Pei Gimel. And we're ending with a very important topic that is uh, comes up very often. Uh, and, all, and very often we, we also don't have a clear understanding of what is permitted and what is not permitted. So let's jump right into it. It's interesting to note that this topic, the idea of preparing after Shabbos, for after Shabbos, um, actually seems to be a bit more stringent um, and carry with it less heterim, less leniencies, than some of our previous topics. We learned about transactions on Shabbos, we learned about Shabbos wages, and in um, certain circumstances uh, we learned that it will be permissible in cases of mitzvah, for a mitzvah purpose, one can engage in a transaction, sell alios, pledge money for tzedakah. Uh, one can earn wages, so to speak, according to some, when, there's a, when the purpose of the, of the work is a mitzvah purpose. But when it comes to preparing for after Shabbos, those leniencies are not so forthcoming. A few examples that we are familiar with, when Tisha B'Av falls out on Matzi Shabbos, and we have to wear our Tisha B'Av shoes, to Matzi Shabbos uh, davening and to Eicha. So um, there's, there's always publications coming out from the shul exactly what to do with your shoes, um, where to store them in shul, and uh, you know when to put them on and how to bring them to shul, because they can't be brought uh, when you come from Arif, as that would be preparing for after Shabbos. Another example, the post can speak about a scenario in which Purim falls out on a Matzi Shabbos. Is the Balkari or our individuals allowed to bring the Megillah to shul um, on Shabbos for the purpose of reading from it after Shabbos for that mitzvah purpose. Another example would be rolling Sifrei Torah between, like, let's say, the first day and second day of Yantif. So the uh, the reading of the second day is different than the first day. Are the Gabayim, are the the, uh, the good people of the Shul who are in charge of making sure it runs smoothly, are they allowed to take out a Sefer Torah and roll it in preparation for the second day? So these are all examples of preparation that would ostensibly be for the purpose of a mitzvah, and these are all examples of preparation that is not permitted. Why is that? Why is this different than other scenarios of prohibition that has a dispensation for mitzvah, um, for mitzvah purposes? So when it comes to understanding what the reason is, why is it that it is prohibited from preparing from Shabbos to after Shabbos? I mean, we're not doing a malacha, we're not doing any of those prohibited acts, not Deiraisa, not Deirabana, not Torah law, not Rabbinic law. Um, it, there, there's nothing prohibited about this actual action other than the fact that it's for later. So what's the issue? Um, Rashi indicates that the problem is being Toreach, uh, engaging in extra work, 
we have to be very um, judicious about where we put our energies, our energies on Shabbos, and they should be for things that are Shabbos-related. That's one reason. A second reason, which is quoted by the Ramah, bringing from Rishonim earlier commentaries, um, he writes that it is a zilzol of Shabbos. It is a zilzol is like a cheapening or a denigration of Shabbos. Basically, it's a lack of priorities. Uh, the Gemara talks about the relationship between weekday and Shabbos. Uh, it, it refers to weekdays as a time to prepare for Shabbos. That's the preparatory time, and Shabbos is, is the height, is the purpose, is the goal of the week. Um, similarly, the, um, along the same lines, um, the Gemara talks about Shabbos as being me'ein olam haba. It's, uh, it's like the world to come. Just like the entirety of this world is in preparation for the world to come, to gain merit, to better ourselves, to uh, prepare ourselves to be in a position to enjoy the world to come. That's this world versus the next world. So too, weekday and Shabbos have the same relationship. The weekday is for preparing for Shabbos and not vice versa. So when one is utilizing the precious time on Shabbos to prepare for after Shabbos, it is a real um, switching of priorities. It is a lack of proper perspective and a lack of priorities. You're downgrading Shabbos. That's the idea of preparing for after Shabbos. And perhaps that speaks to the idea as to why Chazal treated this particular prohibition with a little bit of an extra uh, stringency and prohibited even in cases of mitzvah. Because when you are using Shabbos to prepare for even a mitzvah for after Shabbos, that's still a lack of priorities. You're still using Shabbos in a way which is inappropriate and not appreciating it properly. So that's just to speak to the unique quality of this particular prohibition and, and the reasoning behind it. The Gemara speaks about several instances of preparation. There's one Gemara that talks about making a bed on Shabbos uh, when one does not really need to do so. It's really for after Shabbos. The Gemara talks about doing dishes on Shabbos um, in a similar situation when uh, they're not going to be needed again uh, throughout Shabbos. The Gemara talks about preparing for a meal on Yom Kippur um, when, sh- when uh, Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos and some preparations need to be done in order to have the meal right away. Those are all examples that the Gemara talks about, the latter one being one of a mitzvah, one of the proofs that we know that um, one is not to prepare even for a mitzvah purpose after Shabbos. Now, once we understand the underlying reasoning behind this prohibition, we can also understand some of the heterim, the permitting factors the poskim have set down throughout the generations. That doesn't mean that we can invent our own, uh, even if it seems to fit the idea, but it does give us an understanding. And what I'd like to do here is go through three of the most common heterim, three of the most common scenarios of permissibility, and then apply that understanding to a great many common scenarios. So let's, let's dive in. The um, the first heter, uh, which we will quote the, the in the name of the Magen Avram, um, arguably the most important commentary on Shulchan Aruch and Orachaim. Um, so the Magen Avram says that um, in a case where the purpose of the action has a dual purpose, it is for a benefit on Shabbos and also for a benefit after Shabbos then that is permissible. The example that he gives is making beds. Making a bed on Shabbos, if the purpose is to prepare for after Shabbos, 
which is what the Gemara seems to be talking about, then that's obviously not permissible. But if the purpose of making the beds is to tidy the room and, and, and give a nice, fresh uh, look to the room for Shabbos itself for right now, then that's permissible. And that's even though you know full well that part of it is so that everything is set up for tonight, for Matzi Shabbos as well. So that's, the, uh, that's, that's permissibility, that's heter number one, that is if the benefit uh, if there's benefit right now in Shabbos, and that gives a uh, heter to the whole action. Um, other examples are cleaning up for, uh, let's say you eat the Shabbos day meal in your home, you're not going to be home for Shalashudas, um, but you want to clean up the meal so that it's clean and clear for the rest of Shabbos afternoon. So that's a benefit that you're getting right now and after Shabbos, because you don't uh, you save some time and energy cleaning up after Shabbos, having it all done ahead of time. But since the benefit is for now, for Shabbos afternoon, that is permissible. Another example, um, cleaning, you know, or let's, let's give another example of a meal where it would not be permissible, and that is uh, Shalashudas. If you have Shalashudas, let's say in Shul, so um, an onlooker might find it to be disturbing or rude that we have a whole group of people that sit down to have Shalashudas and Shul together. It's a beautiful time. And then they just leave. They get up and walk to the next room, and nobody picks up a fork, no one throws out a cup, nobody rolls up, rolls up a tablecloth, nothing, just leave it there. Why is that? Why do we do that? So the answer is because since that room is being, is being left, exited, will not be used again until after Shabbos, cleaning up now would be an act of preparation for after Shabbos. This actually came up in conjunction with the... Uh, the boys, the teen Shalashudas a few years ago, where a question was asked, the boys have Shalashudas as well, the same time as, as the men. It's a, it's a very special time, and it's a nice time that the kids are able to sing and get together. And the question was, should the boys be cleaning up after themselves, before Mariv, after Shalashudas and before Mariv, while it's still uh, technically Shabbos? And this is a great question, because you're faced with opposing values. On one hand, we have the halacha, that one is not to prepare for after Shabbos. On the other hand, there is a chinuch value, an educational value in ensuring that kids grow up uh, understanding that they clean up after themselves. Uh, somebody serves for you, um, you're able to enjoy a meal, and you should be uh, cleaning up afterwards, both at home and in shul. So this was a great question that I took to some other rabbonim, some poskim, um, high-caliber uh, Torah minds, and the answer that I received was, that the proper chinuch in this case is the Shmiras Shabbos. The proper chinuch is to teach the boys about the laws of Shabbos. We don't sacrifice the laws of Shabbos for the notion of, of manners. Um, that was the, the direction I got, but the advice was to see if we can create a system in which uh, the boys or some of the boys would come up, would come back afterwards, after Shabbos is already over, and help clean up the room then. So these are some good examples of this heter, of cleaning up or doing any sort of action uh, of preparation when there is benefit right now on Shabbos. Let's move to the next heter. Um, that is the heter which is uh, written, uh, written about by several commentaries. I've seen it quoted in several places in the name of the Mahashag. Mahashag is Harav Shimon Grunfeld, who was a uh, very important posek in the um, early 1900s in Hungary. And he uh, gives us the following principle, not just him, but he's uh, one of the primary names uh, attached to this understanding. Um, I'll, I'll give you the example that he gives. 
as proof for this understanding. Um, a person comes back home from Shoal on Sukkis. It is Sukkis, Zman Simchasenu. We take our Lulav, Esther, Gadasim, Rabos, we take our Dalabinim, we go to Shoal. Come back from Shoal, and now uh, we are desperately trying to figure out some way to ensure that our Dalit Minim remain fresh. So um, nowadays, here in Atlanta, Georgia, where we have the Minim market, so you'll walk over to Rabbi Silverman, who each and every, week, every year tirelessly um, you know, scrambles to ensure that we have uh, prop, proper access to these uh, amazing mitzvah items. And also, we'll show you exactly how to spray the foil and the paper towel laid delicately inside the foil with just the right amount of water to ensure that you lock in the freshness. But in the days of old, uh, before we had Rabbi Silverman and, uh, and others, so what they used to do is they would take the species, they would take the Aravos and Adasim, and they would put them into water and maintain them in, in water. Um, I've heard of those who do that with their lulav also. I've also heard of those that do that with their lulav and then the lulav splits open. Um, so, you know, check with uh, an expert before doing that. But in any case, this idea of preserving your lulav, esrog, adasim, aravos, by placing it in water, when is that for? What are we trying to preserve it for? For later, for after yantif, for the next day. Is that permissible? So the examples given in the post given in the halach is that, yes, that is permissible. The question is, why? So he explains that the reason why that is permissible is because we are, it is an action that needs to be done now. It's not something that I'm electing to do now in order to save myself some, some, something, some stress or time or effort after Shabbos. It's something that it's now or never. Either I do it now and preserve my um, expensive mitzvah item now, or I'm not going to be able to. Another example he gives is, let's say you have some weekday clothing you left outside on a clothesline or lying on a bench, and there's a storm coming along, and it's going to get soaked going to get soaked, maybe it'll get ruined. Um, are you allowed to bring those weekday clothes inside? You're not going to use them on Shabbos. They're, you know that clearly. But he reasons that yes, you are allowed to bring those inside because you have not a benefit now, but the time, that's our first heter. Here, the time to act is now, and uh, it's not going to come back around later. Another example he gives, um, or perhaps I forget, maybe others given his name, is uh, if you left something valuable outside that you won't need till after Shabbos, you can bring it inside for this reason. Similarly, if you have uh, silver that you're using over Shabbos and you want to put it away in the silver bags to prevent tarnish, so that's another example, the time in which you have to prevent the tarnish, the tarnish and ensure that uh, it, doesn't get, uh, it doesn't get black and tarnished is now. So you can put those, uh, those silver pieces into the silver bag now on Shabbos. So that is heter number two. Heter number three um, is, comes from Shlomo Zaman Orbach, and um, he gives, this is a major heter. This applies in many circumstances. Um, like, I guess one of the most common ones is the Talis example we started with, which is, um, is one permitted to fold his Talis? Um, folding is a separate issue. Folding on the lines on Shabbos is a separate issue, which is for another class. But just, you know, even just forget folding, bringing the talus home. A person, after shul, uh, takes his talus, folds it up in a permissible way, brings it home. So now, um, is that a problem? He's not going to use his talus later on. He's not going to put on his talus at home, um, unless you're like that. 
And he, so it's really just packing it up for the next day. So Rishlom Zaman Orbach tells us that is permissible. One is allowed to do so. That is something that you don't intend as a chana. The reason you do it is because it is your, the natural process. It's by rote. It's not conscious. You're not specifically doing so to prepare for later. It's just how you, what you do when you leave shul. You bring your talus with you every single day. You could do it on Shabbos as well. Another example, <clears throat> putting away laundry into a hamper on Friday night <clears throat> or on Shabbos day. Um, there's no reason for it to go in the hamper. That's like seems like it would be preparing for after Shabbos. But he explains that that is permissible because <clears throat> that's just the normal way you do things. You're not doing it with a specific intention to prepare for after Shabbos. You're just doing it by rote. That's what you do. So when you, uh, when you uh, have laundry on Friday night, you don't have to leave it where it is or throw it on the floor in the name of Kedusha's Shabbos. You can actually put your clothing where it's supposed to go in the uh, laundry basket. You could even put it, if you have a little socks bag, which you put, it, you, you put your socks in each and every night to make it easier. You could do that too, even on Shabbos even though it feels very much like preparation. But in this case, that's not the intention. The, purpose, the reason you're doing it is because that's just what you do. Uh, another example of this would be um, if you are in shul and um, you're checking up one last thing about the parsha as Shabbos is exiting, uh, right before Marif, before Shabbos is over. And you want to put back that sefer, which is just on this this week's parsha, now it's parsha's bow. So imagine... After you've completed the Shabbos Learning Project quizzes, you're feeling good about yourself, you're in shul, you want to check up one more thing on Parsha's bow, and then you put back the Sefer, which will not be used again next week because we're moving on to the next, uh, the next Parsha. So that seems to be preparation as well. Um, but here, too, this same principle would apply. Putting back a Sefer is the regular rote usage as, as it really should be. There's a famous, famous letter written by the stipler, Abikhanevsky, um, and he writes there. It's it's like a, it's very common to see this letter attached to bookshelves in Bati Midrashim in study halls, in which he writes that it is uh, very strong words. Midas Achzarius. It is a <clears throat> a um, treacherous. Achzari is more than that. It's a cruel. It's a cruel characteristic. A cruel action to take a safer out and just leave it without putting it back. He writes. Because you're you're you know you're not showing any care for anybody else, um, and you're causing bittel Torah because people will come and try to look for the safer. So, therefore, um, we are trained as we should be to uh, do the right thing and put back the safer after you are done with it. So that's another example that would be permissible, even though it's for after Shabbos or for a later time. It's still okay to do because that's the natural order of things. So these are our three hetera, three instances in which it is permissible to do something that carries with it some preparation for after Shabbos. Number one, if there is benefit right now, like making your bed so it looks nice. Number two, um, if the time to <clears throat> to help or to save this object is now, you would be allowed to do so. And number three, <clears throat> if what you're doing is a matter of rote and ritual and is not intentional, that's another, um, that's another heter. So now with this understanding, let's apply to some more scenarios so we get an even better, crisper understanding. Um, are you allowed to put back food in the fridge after your Shabbos meal? You want to take the chicken and take the coleslaw, take the drinks, whatever, put them back in the fridge. Are you allowed to do so? So let's apply um, our lens, lenses of heterium. 
Number one, uh, do we have the first one, which is that there's a benefit now? Yes, I want to clean up. And uh, the place to clean up, I want to take the stuff off the counters and put them somewhere, so I'm going to put it in the fridge. That's fine. Number two, um, if there's perishable items, so the time in which I have to save these items and ensure that they don't spoil is now. So that's another reason why I can put the, those items in the, in the fridge. Um, and we can even apply the third lens, which perhaps, which is this is the normal thing to do after the meal, which is you clean up and put things away. Um, that would be, that seems, it seems that we could apply Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Orbach's heter in that case as well. Okay, now for the big ticket item. That's right. Loading dishwashers. Um, how are we allowed to load dishwashers on Shabbos, and how are we allowed to do so? Um, isn't this really preparation for after Shabbos? We don't use dishwasher on Shabbos. This is for putting them in, stacking them right, so that it will clean efficiently after Shabbos. So here is another scenario in which we can employ our heterim. Um, I'm cleaning up, I'm putting these dishes away because I don't want them on my counter. Um, and um, therefore, uh, in order to make my kitchen and my sink neat and tidy for Shabbos, I want to put them in the dishwasher. That would be permissible. So therefore, it's permissible to put your dishes in the dishwasher. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was asked about this, uh, and that's what he says. He says you, you're allowed to do so, and, but he cautions us against some other issues that might come up, which is the issues of uh, borer, of, of selecting. You know, if you're really stacking your, your dishes perfectly in the dishwasher. So first of all, that seems like you're taking a little bit too far um, because having the dishes away in the dishwasher, that is, that's great. That's for now. Stacking them perfectly so that the, shower, the, the arm reaches them with the proper jet of water, that's a little bit too much preparation. And um, similarly, if you're taking some items out of a whole bunch of utensils in order to stack it in a specific spot, that could be an issue of borer. But if you just go about it step by step and take each dish and put it in the dishwasher uh, in some place which is you know convenient and not not too without too much effort and attention to exactly where it's going for later, that would be totally fine. The next question is: Is it permissible to pre-wash those items before putting them in the dishwasher? Uh, my father, Zechron of the used to put only clean dishes <laughs> in the dishwasher. They were pre-cleaned. Um, so, can we continue that practice on Shabbos? Are we allowed to clean off the dishes and to, or to soak them um, and then put them in the dishwasher? Is that permissible? So, the answer is that if this is the again the normal process, um, then it would seem it was it would be okay to pre-rinse the dishes, not heavily, but just a quick a quick rinse. Furthermore, by rinsing them off now, you are preventing them from getting seriously stuck later. So if that's the scenario, you have some chalant on some plates, and if you leave it there, it's really going to be a, much harder to clean it later on. So now the time to prevent the sticking is now. That would be our second heter. That's another reason or another way in which many postgames, not all, but many postgames would allow us to soak our dishes um, as well as putting them in the dishwasher. But if it's already, the dirt's already caked on, and by soaking the dishes, what you're doing is you're beginning the cleaning process, which will start now and end after Shabbos, then that is something that we should refrain from doing. Um, unless there's another reason, a secondary reason, like I'm soaking the dishes now because otherwise there's going to be an odor, a smell, and it's going to attract fries, flies. So that's, uh, that's a reason to do so right now. 
So in general, yes, we may stack our dishes. We should be careful about borer. We can't stack them too carefully, and we can even pre-rinse them um, if it's to prevent them from getting too stuck um, later on. So that is that would be fine according to most postgame. Okay, let's take two or three more scenarios before we wrap up for this week. Um, somebody asked Moshe Feinstein about putting kids in pajamas as Shabbos is, is leaving. So we want to put the kids in pajamas so that right after Avdallah, they can go to sleep. They've had a tiresome, wonderful Shabbos. Time for them to go to sleep. Can we put them in pajamas now? So Rav Moshe basically said that if you're preparing them to go to sleep after Shabbos, then you shouldn't do so. But if it's part of the process of putting them to sleep, that they go in their pajamas and they run around for a while, tire themselves out, um, play one last game, um, act perfect and cute as kids do right before bedtime, it's somehow programmed into their nature. Um, so if that's part of the process, and the process always takes, you know, whatever, a half hour, so then, then putting them in pajamas now um, is fine, because you're not doing it for later. You're doing it because now is the time to put them in pajamas. Um, okay, what about taking uh, two more scenarios? What about taking a nap on Shabbos because you have a busy night ahead of you? Or um, a very common uh, scenario, it's uh, Shavuos following Shabbos. So I want to take a nap on Shabbos so that on Matzi Shabbos, which is Shavuos, I can stay up and learn. Am I allowed to do so? Or is that preparing for after Shabbos? So the post can say, that is perfectly permissible to take a nap on Shabbos. It's wonderful. Shinab Shabbos Tainog. It's a it's a beautiful thing to take a nap on Shabbos, and uh, therefore you can do so. What what you can't do is express, "I'm going to sleep now in order to give me strength for later, for Shavuos night learning, or for after Shabbos." Because when I go to sleep on Shabbos, so I'm just sleeping on Shabbos. I'm I'm enjoying. I'm refreshing myself. But if I speak and I and I declare what it is. I have now framed that whole action as one of preparation for later. So the sleeping is fine, but it should be done without a uh, declaration as to um, uh, as to the intention to do so for strength after Shabbos. Um, now, what about uh, studying for a test? I have a test on after Shabbos. Um, am I allowed to study for that test? So if it's Limude Kodesh, if it's a Torah subject, so then... You're enjoying the Torah and you're engaging in the mitzvah of learning Torah now, so that's great. It happens to be for a test, so I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to indicate uh, that I'm preparing for a test for tomorrow or next week. Um, but I can. I can certainly learn. And the same thing would go for non-Torah subjects, provided it's appropriate Shabbos material. Um, as long as I'm enjoying or appreciating the material now then that would also be permissible, even if in the back of my mind I know that I'm also, it's also going to be useful for me in terms of studying for my test coming up this, this week. In last week's um, SLP uh, podcast, we talked about you know, what's appropriate, uh, more and less appropriate to be reading and engaging with on Shabbos, and that should be taken into consideration as well. But strictly speaking, Iker Adin, the halacha is that it would be permissible to study for a test, even a secular studies test, on Shabbos, for after Shabbos, it wouldn't be an issue of hachana unless you declare it as such. Um, let me just conclude with clarifying one more point, which really uh, combines this class and last class. A- am I allowed to go to somebody and say, uh, will you join me for Malava Malka after Shabbos? This is on Shabbos afternoon. I want We're having a great conversation. You know, come over after Shabbos. Or... 
I'm going to take a trip uh, to the park with, uh, with the family on Sunday in the afternoon, about two o'clock. Will you join me? Um, am, I, am I allowed to do so? Isn't that planning for after Shabbos? Is that an issue of hachana? So even though this is in an area which seems to be, um, you know, people are, are very careful about this, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be in Shabbos mode. However, from the halachic perspective, I don't believe that it's a problem. Because by just communicating, by talking about what you're doing after Shabbos, that's not an act of preparation. We learned that acts of preparation is, are, are, are the issue. Speaking about what you're going to do after Shabbos is not a preparatory act. That falls into the category, the issue, um, the subject of last week's class, which was Vedaber Dover, which is Shabbos speech. And we learned last week that if a, if a speech, something you want to say, is a matter of business, that should be refrained from on Shabbos. That's Mimso Chavzacha. Uh, if it's a matter that has to do with doing a malacha, I'm going to drive to the park on Sunday. Um, you know, will you join me? That would be an issue because I'm talking about a malacha. I'm planning to do a malacha. But if I just say I'm going to the park, even though I'm I'm talking about what I'm doing after Shabbos, there is no issue of hachana. And since I'm not mentioning business or a malacha, there's no issue of Shabbos speech. And therefore, that would be permissible to do. So... That has been a pretty full treatment of this idea of preparing of Hachana for after Shabbos. Let's conclude this class and indeed our whole um, uh, season of the Shabbos Learning Project with the following thought. You know, the Gemara in Ksubas, Dafkuv Gimel 103, talks about Rebbe, Rebbeinu HaKadosh, um, the great Tana. After he passed away, uh, there was an incredible thing that happened in which he would... We don't know exactly what this means, but the Gemara says it. He would reappear. He would visit his family. He left instruction to ensure that his place was set and that the candles were lit properly because um, when he, after he passed away, he came back in some kind of physical form to be with his family on Shabbos, and he made Kiddush for his family on Friday night. The story goes that there was once a knock. A neighbor came knocking, and the, the attendant, the maidservant, answered the door, and she said, uh, now is not a good time. Rebbe is making Kiddush. And when Rebbe heard this, when he heard that the secret was out, he, he stopped coming. He didn't feel that it was appropriate for, for people to know about it. But uh, one point that the commentaries make is that you see how incredibly special a, a moment of Shabbos is. Rebbe left Olam Haba. He left the world to come. Shabbos is Me'ain Olam Haba. But in this case, Rebbe left Olam Haba. He left the greatest uh, a place, existence of, of pleasure and, and spiritual enjoyment um, that, that exists. And he decided that he, for whatever reason, he wanted to come here and taste the delicious taste, the otherworldly taste of Shabbos that we have each and every week. So that teaches, teaches us about the special nature of each moment of Shabbos. Um, and as I'm speaking about moments, did you know that there is a halacha, um, a recommendation by the Ramah, that on Matzi Shabbos, before concluding Shabbos, um, we elongate the beginning of Ma'ariv. The Shulchan Aruch talks about pushing off Ma'ariv. The Ramah says, we say uh, a long baruchu, or v'hurachum, which is the beginning of Ma'ariv. In many shoals and yeshivas, they have the custom, it sounds something like this, so that little um, quiver of, 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 of the who 
um, is the application of this Ramah, that we should push off or elongate the time period before finally davening Marv and ending Shabbos. And the reason is because we appreciate the precious moments of Shabbos. And that's, how long was that? A split second? Even that matters. Even that counts. And so as we end uh, this season of the Shabbos Learning Project, I want to thank you for all the moments both of learning and of Shabbos enhancement that came about through our collective study of these areas of Shabbos. I look forward to many more opportunities uh, to learn about Shabbos, to appreciate Shabbos, and to spend those precious moments of Shabbos together. Good Shabbos.